This is the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from October 2nd by Brother Todd Burgess titled Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. Well, good morning, everyone. If you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and open up to Matthew 5. And we'll be in those first two verses that we read this morning for 17 and 18. And next week will be 19 and 20. But what we're looking at is, is, is God's plan versus man's plan. And in our message today, in, in what Jesus has been teaching his disciples, remember, Jesus is up on a mountain, and he has his disciples around. He has believers around him. He's, he's separated himself from the masses, and he's teaching his disciples the Sermon on the Mount. And so that's important to, us to, to remember. And... What he's gotten to now is going to be a change, a transition. Because we, what we saw the first 12 verses were the necessary attitudes that Christians, that believers were to have. And these attitudes were seen in, in those beatitudes, those nine beatitudes that we talked about. And that's what the Holy Spirit would do in each and every one of us. I mean, we could try to do those things, be humble and, and, and be merciful and, and, and try to do those things on our own. But We'd go so far, and then we'd fall. We just can't go far enough in our own flesh, and our own strength and weakness because of our weaknesses. And so it's the Holy Spirit of God in us that brings about those proper attitudes. And then verses 13 to 16, we saw what he referred to as the two similitudes, where we are to be salt, where we are to be light. And, and these are just examples that if the, if the right attitudes are taking place in our heart, in our lives, then the result is going to be we will be light and we will be salt. We will, we will bring change in the world around us. Now that change may be people coming to Christ or that change may be people persecuting us for the cause of Christ. Okay, But, the, but it, it's going to bring change in, to our lives and how, how, what we're doing. And so... This is, what, this is what Jesus had been teaching. He, he laid that foundation. He gave two examples of what we should be like. And now he goes on, and he's, he's going to begin to, to talk about God's plan versus man's plan. And so we see the power of the law is what Jesus is, is dealing with. And in the past, Old Testament, and we're going to find out in New Testament as well, we see human reasoning coming into play. None wrong with human reasoning because God created us in his image. He gave us a mind that we can reason with. But we need to understand when we do that, we need to do it from God's perspective, okay, and not from our own. And so Jesus, in his instruction to his disciples, is at this transitional point in his teaching. And it's because of this teaching, Jesus is going to be seen as in opposition to the law by all the religious establishment out there. Folks, when we stand for the cause of Christ, we're going to find out there's a lot of churches, a lot of uh, other denominations that, that are going to look at you standing on the word of God as being wrong, as being in opposition to God's word. And that's because you're standing on God's principles based upon God's interpretation, whereas they 
are interpreting and doing everything according to their own emotions, their own, their own feelings, their own you know, uh, intellect, and not allowing what Jesus has just taught here through, his, through, the, through the Beatitudes and the, and the similitudes, what should be taking place in our lives as Christians. And so in Matthew 5, 17, Jesus starts off by saying, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. But to fulfill. And the first thing he starts off with, with is, the, is think not. Think not. Basically, to put that ter- in, in terms, it means to, to, to regard or acknowledge something in, a, in its customary character or manner. Otherwise, it's to assume that everything that has gone on has been good. It's making that assumption. And so Jesus is telling his disciples, stop making assumptions. Don't assume anything to be correct unless God has confirmed in his word that it is correct. And so that's what Jesus is looking at here. And so the Jews have always had a problem with understanding the law of God as it applied to them personally. And I'm going to tell you, people today have had a problem understanding the the law of God as it applies to them personally, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament. Now, in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel had a problem with idolatry, with idolatry. And in the New Testament, they had a problem with legalistic, being legalistic about everything. Otherwise, it went from this, this spectrum over here way over to this spectrum. They always go... To the, to, to the opposite, opposite ends. And idolatry and legalism are on opposite ends of the spectrum. Well, what, what, what we need is what God says right here, the balance, right here in the middle. And so when you look at the Word of God, many times it's always based upon man's interpretation and application of the Scriptures. And that's what we have to avoid. We have to allow the Holy Spirit of God in us to interpret and apply the scriptures. Now, in the, in, in, for, the, for the Jewish culture, for the first and second centuries, they had, they had what was called the Mishnah, where man's legalistic commentaries on how one should interpret and apply the word of God in their lives. Otherwise, you had, you, had, you had folks that they would read the Bible. Well, this is what it means. And they'd write this down over centuries, and that became the Mishnah. Well, then later on, in the 3rd and 4th century, you have what's called the Talmud. Now, the Talmud was, for the Jewish culture, is where you have this next group of scholarly, scholarly men would read the Mishnah and then, then give their commentary on the Mishnah and not God's Word. And so here we have God's word. Then we have the Mishnah, man's interpretation of God's word. Then we have the Talmud, man's interpretation of man's word, of God's word. And you can see where it leads to, okay? You can see where that leads to. And so, and when you do that, the first thing that goes is you lose the heart of the message of God's word. Whether it's based upon idolatry, which is everything based on, our, on your emotions. Well, I just feel this is just the right thing to do. And, oh, well, we don't, that, that, that particular verse doesn't apply to us today. It applied to them back then, but not to us today. And it's all based upon emotions. That's what idolatry is. 
Whereas the Jews in, in the first century, and, and after the time of Christ, they, they or from uh, that, that, the last book of the Old Testament, they, they went to a very legalistic viewpoint of things, where they went upon their own intellect and how things would go and how things should be interpreted. And again, what they lost was the heart of the message. Both idolatry and legalism, what, what goes is God's love. That's the heart of the message. God's love is the first thing that goes, whether it's with uh, idolatry or whether it's with legalism. And what we have to do is, we have, Jesus is telling his disciples, you have to stop making the assumptions based upon our own emotions and based upon our own intellect about what God's word is saying. And you got to go to the scriptures themselves and allow the Holy Spirit of God. Now, folks, the Holy Spirit of God was around in the Old Testament. And the Holy Spirit around, is, is around today that lives in us. And so we have to rely upon God to interpret his word. See, in Israel today, they still, they still have these zealous religious groups. One group will sit there and say, well, we, can't, we don't want to violate the Sabbath. And so when it comes to let, let, letting the land lie fallow for a, for a year and seven years, well, how do we do that? Because we still got to eat. And so some would say, well, okay, you put a tarp across the land, bring in new soil, put on and you grow on that soil for that year. And then... You, take, you haul that away and give it to the next farmer down. You know, they, they're literally doing that. Or they'll say, all right, well, well then we're going to rent the land out to a Gentile, and, and they're planting on the land. We're not, so we're okay. See, that, that's legalism. Uh, one thing, don't bother the Sabbath. You know, we can't light a fire on Sabbath. So that some would say, well, that means you literally can't strike a match and, and light a fire over here. But others will say, well, no, you can't even turn the stove on because the stove is lighting a fire. I mean, just ridiculous things. Why? Because they've lost the heart of the message. God's love is not in it. See, they have a wrong view of Scripture. They have wrong assumptions about God's Word. And before we get too far fetched, too far off base, folks, we in Southern Baptist churches can do the same thing. When it comes to pews or chairs, color of the carpet, all these things, should this painting go or that painting go? Should, how should we decorate this? How should we? Same things, folks. Wrong assumptions. Because after all, this is not the church, this is just a building. The church is is you and I. And so we make wrong assumptions all the time. Yet the Bible says, Jesus himself said in John 5, 39, he says, search the scriptures, for in them you see you have eternal life, or you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. See, the scriptures, the word of God does not give eternal life. Hope you all understand that. The Word of God points to Jesus, the giver of eternal life. And so we need to understand that. And so um, we, we got to get away from human reasoning. And so we have to get to the truth of the law, and that's God's plan. And so Jesus now begins to, to tell his disciples what they're going to be up against. 
And as I said, think not that I am come to destroy the law of the prophets. Now, that word destroy means to loose or unloose what was before bound or fastened tightly. Think of it this way. How many like to ride horses? I do. I won't ask how many of us have horses because we're in Alaska, so very few do. But uh, if you're going to get on a horse and you're going to sit there and, and put a saddle on it, get to put the bridle there and, and do everything you have to do, right? First thing you're going to do, you're going to throw the saddle up there and then you're going to jump up on and go, right? No. You're going to fall off. The saddle's going to and you're going to fall right down on the, on the ground. So you put the saddle on, you cinch it all down, tighten it all up, put the bridle in the right spot in the horse's mouth, pull the reins around. You do all that because you want to make sure everything is sound and everything is tight, everything is secure, right? And then when you, you go ride, when you get back, you unloose. And that's what this word means. You loosen the saddle so you take it off. You loosen the bridle and all the strap. Everything is, is, is loosened. Now, why do you do that? Well, the truth is, people that do that when they ride a horse is because they, we, we realize we are under the law of gravity. Right? We're under the law of gravity. If, if, if I was above the law of gravity, I wouldn't need to tie down the, the, the saddle on the horse. I would never fall off, no matter what the horse did. And that's what it shows. It shows you're <coughs> under the law of, law of gravity. And so when, when, when Jesus said this, think not that I've come to destroy the law or the prophets. He says, I have not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Jesus is saying to his disciples, I, Jesus, am not under the law. You are. Jesus says, I'm not. Now, do you understand what I'm saying? See, we as human beings, mankind, we are under the law of God. Why? Because we've all sinned at least one time, right? Every one of us. And by, because of that, we are under God's judgment on sin. But Jesus is not under the law because he never sinned. We need to understand that. One thing, you think about this, Jesus, when he came to this earth, he never once said he came to keep the law. He didn't. He doesn't have to. He's above it. He wrote it. He doesn't have to keep the law. He never said he was going to keep the law. But he did say that he came to fulfill it. He's not going to destroy it. He came to fulfill it, to bring it to its full completion, to make it perfect, to accomplish the end of the law. You see, it's important we understand this. See, the purpose of the law, according to Romans 3, 19 and 20, says, now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. So who's the law talking to? Those who are under the law. All of us. We are under the law. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, verse 20, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. The whole point, what, Jesus, what Paul here was saying, 
The whole point of, of God's word from Genesis to Revelation is to teach us that we're sinners and that without Christ, who came to fulfill the law, to bring about the end of the law, we would face judgment. But because Jesus is teaching his disciples, I didn't come to destroy, I have come to fulfill the law. He says, to fulfill the law means someone has to take the price of sin for those that are under the law. And Jesus says, I've come to do that. Now, they didn't understand this when Jesus was talking to them about this at this time. In fact, they're not going to understand this until after his resurrection. And finally, they're going to go, ding, wow, now we got it, okay? But that's the truth of what, why Jesus came. He came to fulfill it. See, the purpose of the law is simply to condemn the sin that is our nature and to show us the need of Jesus' sacrifice for us, our need, our reliance upon Jesus taking our place. See, the law of God was never meant to bring about salvation. But yet so many religious organizations, they want to teach this. You got to keep the law. You got to keep the law. Hold on to these things. Wrong. We cannot keep the law. It's physically impossible for us to do that. Okay? That's why Jesus came and did it for us. So it's not meant to bring about salvation. It's there to reveal our depravity before holy God. That's what it's there to reveal. And that's why it's so important that when, that when we talk to people and they say, well, I'm a good person. No, you're not. I'm not. We're not good people because that's a lie of Satan. Because what, what they're doing, I'm a good person based upon that one over there and that one over there. Now, don't point me at that guy because that person's better than I am. But, you know, they're quick to point. I'm a good person. I'm, what's the first thing they say? I'm not like those guys that are in jail. I'm better than they are. You see, someone says they're a good person. That's the first step in their minds of that they don't need Jesus as a Savior, as Lord of their life. And you got to show them you're not a good person. You've committed sin. You've committed murder. Because Jesus went to the cross for your sin. He went to the cross for my sin. And we have to understand that. We've got to realize that. And so Jesus said, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Now in verse 18 of our text, Matthew 5, 18, it says, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jaw or one tittle shall no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Now, how many of you heard, I'm thinking how I can say this, that God's word's eternal? Well, how many don't want to raise your hand because you know it's a trick question? <laughs> God's word, what we have here, Genesis to Revelation, is not eternal. It has a beginning. It had a beginning. And it will have an end. We need to understand that. Okay? And what does it say right here? Till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall 
in no wise pass from the law. Well, last time I checked, the Bible says in Revelation, the last chapter, that this heaven and this earth is going to be wiped away. That's when the word that we have of God's word comes to an end. It has been completely fulfilled. Now, God's word, he's going to speak more words throughout eternity. I mean, I'm not saying God's word. I'm talking God's word that we have right here, Genesis to Revelation. It had a purpose. It has a purpose. It's to point to Jesus. And once this heaven and this earth are passed away, it's all been fulfilled. And this word, Genesis to Revelation, we won't need anymore. Because we will be in the presence of God for all eternity. And those that have rejected God, rejected Jesus Christ, will be in the lake of fire for all eternity. And so God's word here has met its purpose, has done its thing. And so we have to remember that God's word that we have right in here has a purpose. It has a beginning and it will have an end. And so first thing we got to realize that while living as a human being, a man and woman on this earth, Jesus, in order to fulfill the word of God, now this is God's plan we're talking about, Jesus to fulfill the word of God, the first thing he did is he, he met every requirement of the law. And that's something you and I can't do because we've already sinned. We can't do that. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So we have not a high priest that can't be touched. Otherwise, Jesus understands where we are coming from and the struggle in our, with our sin because he went through the same thing, just he did it without sinning. He understands our struggle. He, ma- he made every requirement the law said the Messiah, the Son of God, had to, had, had to do. He did it all. He fulfilled every prophecy, every, every word. That's the first thing he did. Now, the second thing he did in, in order to fulfill the law of God, he became sin for us. Something, again, we cannot do. We can sin. I can't take on your sin. You can't take on mine. We are all responsible for our own sin. But Jesus, because he was sinless, he was able to take on all of our sin. And it's because he was sinless, he was able to do that. Now, you ever think about this? What would have happened if when Eve was tempted and took, a, took an aid of the, of the fruit, if Adam would have said, no, that's wrong, not going to happen. Would we be where we are today? No, we wouldn't be. Because then guess what? Adam would have been sinless and he could have took care of her sin. He could have became sin for her. But he didn't do that. Okay, he sinned as well. See, Eve was deceived. Adam sinned willfully. Big difference. The one who sins willfully is held far more accountable than the one who is deceived in sin. See, this is why Jesus was able to do that. He was able to take on our sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made us to be sin for us who knew no sin, 
that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. See, he took on all our sin, making it possible for us to receive his righteousness. See, Jesus did this when he went to the cross and bore our sin. The only time you hear Jesus crying out in agony and suffering was one time. Not when the Roman soldiers were beating him. Not when they put a crown of thorns on his head. and nailed, Not when they made him carry the cross. Not when they, not when they nailed him to the, to the cross, hands and feet. The Bible says he never let out a word. But on the cross, when our sins were placed upon him, God the Father turned his back and walked away from Jesus for the first time in eternity. And Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The first time. Only Jesus could do that for us. And he did it willingly. He did it willingly. Romans 8, 3-4 says, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God, sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. See, we're able to, to live in Christ today, to walk in the Spirit of God today because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. And folks, that's what we are to be telling the world out there around us. Even though people say, I'm a good person, not to God's standard. Not to the Word of God's standard. The Word of God condemns us to sin and places us under the judgment of God. You see, it's the righteous path that God laid down through the law, through the Scriptures, is what we could not do, but Jesus did for us. And then Jesus, when he had done that, and he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then it says he gave up his ghost. Shortly thereafter, he, he, he died. And then when he rose again, what happened? He now was able to give us his righteousness because he offered the sacrifice of our sin. Once and for all, he took his shed blood to the altar in heaven and laid it on there for your sins and my sins. Once and for all, he did that for us. And then he bestows to those who have accepted his righteousness. So when God the Father looks down, he doesn't see all my sin. He sees the blood of Jesus that covers my life. But for that person that has never turned to Jesus for sin, when the God the Father looks down at them, all he sees is a sinner deserving the lake of fire because they have not repented and turned to Jesus, who is their salvation. And so Jesus transfers his righteousness to us after he took on our sin. See, that's how Jesus fulfills 
the law of God. Genesis to Revelation, that's how he fulfills it. Third thing is that he gave us the promise of faith. He gave us the promise of faith. Faith is not something we create. It's a gift of God. It's a gift that he gives to us. Galatians 3.21 says, Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But see, when God gave us his word, his law, he didn't put a clause in there, a little escape clause saying, oh, all right, but if you do this, then I, I, can, I, can, I can give you the promise of faith here. No, he says, you have to abide. I'm a righteous God, and I have to deal with sin. That's why I said if Adam would have said, I'm not going to do that, that's, that's wrong. Adam could have paid the price for Eve because he hadn't sinned. He was, he, he was righteous. But he didn't do that because we're sinners. You see, we're, un, we're unable to keep the righteousness of the law. And that means that it results in the law becoming our judge. And so Jesus, he secured the promises of God for us. To those that are in Jesus, the law then became a book of faith. This book right here, this word of God, before we, we, we came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, it was a judgment against us. But now, afterward, this is now a book of faith for us. We no longer see it as a judgment of God for us. It's now a book of faith, of showing us how we are to live by faith in Christ. And see, it, it changes. It changes because of what Jesus did for us. That's why uh, in, my, in my Daniel study, in, in that first chapter, we got to get to the point as Christians where we say, I am not going to go fall back to my sinful ways. we got to dare to be a Daniel. And what Daniel and his friends do, they purposed in their heart not to eat of the king's food, not to sin against the law. They purposed in their heart not to do so. When we sin, any sin, I don't care what, a, accidental, purposeful sin, whatever, we sin because we love the sin more than we love God. When I sin against you, it's because I love me more than I love you. And what it means is we haven't purposed in our heart to hold true to the word of God. Because I guarantee you, if we love, that's why Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. And what happens if you do that? You're not going to hurt your neighbor because you're not going to hurt yourself. It shows where your love is not when you sin. See, that's important. Jesus secured those promises of God for us. And now, if we read on in Galatians 3, 22 and 2, 25, it says, But the Scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. See, this, this is where God's Word changes from being a judge, a book of judgment against us, becomes a book of faith for us. It changes. 
Verse 23, for, but before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up until the faith which should be afterwards be revealed. You know how I said Jesus to fill the law had to be above the law? Jesus not under the law. He's not. He never was. He wrote it. You know where we're at now? Being in faith with Jesus, taking on his righteousness, we are no longer under the law either. We are above the law. Doesn't mean we're holier and all that kind of stuff. You know, don't, don't, don't let pride step in there. Don't take it where you're not supposed to go with this. But we have Christ's righteousness. We are no longer under the law either. And so when we sin, we sin because we want to sin. Not because we had to. See, beforehand we sinned because we didn't know any better. We're sinners. But now we know better. Verse 24, wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Jesus, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under the schoolmaster. We're no longer under the law, folks. We got to remember that, folks. See, those that heard and accepted the truth of the law of God, they repented of their sin. And so they avoid the eternal punishment of sin and are no longer under the law. And it's because of the work of Jesus, the law is now established or fulfilled in our hearts. That's why Jesus did what he did. So that the law of God could be fulfilled in us. In all those who believe. Whether Old Testament they look forward to the Messiah. Or New Testament we look back to the Messiah. It has been fulfilled in our hearts. It's been fulfilled. Romans 3.31 do we then make void the law through faith? No. That's why Jesus said not one dot, one tittle is going to go, is ever be taken away from the law. No, it doesn't make it void. No. We establish the law. We prove that everything God said in his word is true. Our lives proves the truth of God's word. James 2.8 says, If ye fulfill, that means establish, the royal law according to the scriptures, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You do well. See what happens when we fulfill the law of God, when we fulfill it? The love of God is in our hearts. It's in our hearts. Romans 13, 10, I'm going to close with these next two verses. It says, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Galatians 5.14, for all that law, all, for all the law is filled, fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. See, that's the summary of it all. If you're going to keep all of God's commandments in the law, you simply love as God loved you. That's why I said when you go to idolatry, the one extreme, or legalism, the other stream, one is based on emotion, one is based, other one's based on your intelligence and your intellect and 
What's, miss, what's kept away? The love of God is the first thing that goes. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the first thing that goes. And so if we are going to fulfill the love of God, we've got to learn to love God first, our neighbor second, more than we love ourselves. And I guarantee if you do that, you're not going to want to sin. You're not going to want to do something that's going to hurt that person. You're going to want the love of God to be fulfilled in their lives. And that's what we need to be about. It's all about God's love. And this is why this is a transition of what Jesus is beginning to teach now to his disciples. It's how is that love to be expressed through their lives. It's, that's the transition point for the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. Let's stand and pray. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, visit our website at gbcak.org.